0: Welcome to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams. I'm always impressed with the breadth and depth of our periodic UPR book list. We're going to join together to compile another list today on the program. We want to know what you're reading right now. Or perhaps you'd like to recommend something you read a while ago that's still on your mind. Elaine Thatcher joins me in studio as usual. And we're going to hear about exciting new books from Ann Holman from the King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City. Andy Nettle from Back of Beyond Books in Moab and Catherine Weller from Weller Bookworks in Salt Lake City. And we want, of course, to hear from you. What are you reading? Share your list. And uh, we're going to put that up on our website, uh, those recommendations uh, for each other. Our website is upr.org. Uh, here's how you can share your list right now to the program. You can uh, reach us by email to, to uh, upraccess@gmail.com. at gmail.com, at gmail.com. You can join us by Twitter, at upraccess. And you can call us. We'd love to hear from you. Toll free 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. Lane Thatcher is in the studio. Welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here
0: so you've you have a have had a busy summer, you're directed summerfest <laughs> yeah I,
1: I'm the director of Summerfest, and so reading goes way down my list in the spring and early summer, but now I'm back on board.
0: okay, you've got through summerfest you're back to back to doing some <laughs> some uh reading yep um and we have uh three emails all ready for us uh, here but let's uh, start out uh, Elaine what's uh what are the first couple on your list?
1: okay, you know, I've been sort of underwhelmed by some of the books I've read lately, but um uh I'll say I am right now reading The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Niffenegger and it's a great read. It's a good mm. story. And I I like a good story.
0: The Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah. Okay. And in
1: fact I think it was made into a movie, but I don't know. Mm. I but I really it's it's a it's a fun it's a it jumps you back and forth in in the life of this man who just spontaneously zips back and forth in his own life, mm. and uh, in his own life, in within the bounds of his own mm, life. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the the woman that he marries, and uh, it's it's a great story. It's it's an interesting concept. No, oh,
0: interesting. Uh, give us another one on your list here.
1: Okay, so um, you know I'll tell you a couple that I started and didn't finish. Um... One was uh, Terra Nostra, which is Carlos Fuente's big uh, masterpiece. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of excited. It's a novel, and it's uh, supposed to, and it kind of traces the history of the Hispanic people from Spain to the diaspora, basically. But um, I couldn't get interested in it. And it's really sad. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. I was reading it in translation. Um, uh, There's magic realism in it. Uh, which I don't mind. I kind of enjoy it sometimes, but um, I just never—it never captured me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, sometimes you think you should like it. You want to I like want it. I want to you like it. You just don't yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but others might like it. So yeah, yeah, we could, we right. could uh, recommend re- recommend the book. Yeah. Um, uh, first on my list, I'm never very far from a PG Woodhouse book uh, and I was reading I was I was trying to I guess I was trying to search around the woodhouse community and so I've, I found this academic up in uh, Canada who has written on why woodhouse matters um, <laughs> I, I, I suppose woodhouse uh, lovers might get a little defensive he's you know it's light it's farce it's wonderful it's humor yeah uh, he mentioned Tony Blair former Prime Minister of, uh, of England, uh, Great Britain, uh, who said that uh, that's how he dealt with pressures of office. He would, uh, in the evening, he'd he'd pull down a, a Mulliner story or, or a Jeeves story, and that's yeah. how he de- de- decompressed. decompress. So I've, I've been reading, again, The World of Mr. Mulliner. Okay. People may uh, be familiar with uh, Jeeves and Wooster. Right. Famous characters. Uh, Mulliner, I think, is even better. Uh, it's uh, He's a, a fellow who's... Uh, Kind of uh, holds court, the angler's rest bar.
1: Oh, great, yeah. I haven't and read any of those, but, you know.
0: Tells about his uh, far-flung relatives, and each story is pretty unique.
1: Uh, they're just clever. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, deeply clever. Yeah. You know, they're wonderful, yeah.
0: Um, I'm also reading, uh, I've gotten back into Barbara Tuckman, the great, wonderful historian. Um, I'm rereading The Guns of August, which was published in 1962. Yeah. Um, but it still holds up, and, if, and especially the, the prologue uh, bogs down a little bit when you get into the military history. This is just the beginning of World War I. Um, but the prologue paints a, just a wonderful picture of right before the, the world as it was right before the war.
1: Mm.
0: And, and uh, again and again, she goes back to, and, and cites people who say the world was irrevocably changed mm-hmm. in a way perhaps that uh, we, we can't imagine. But, I uh, think there was an probably, optimism yeah. before that and then a pessimism afterwards. And, hmm. uh, so those are a couple of, of my books. Let me uh, let me jump in to our listeners. By the way, you can reach us at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We want to know what you're reading. We're going to compile a UPR book list. Always a great book list. I recommend uh, what you're reading to uh, your fellow listeners. Uh, UPR listeners. Um, And you can reach us uh, by phone as well, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. This is Mark Brunson, who is a professor at Utah State University. He says, Hi, Tom. I just finished Bill Bryson's latest travel book, The Road to Little Dribbling. Bryson, author of A Walk in the Woods and A Short History of Nearly Everything, is from Iowa, but is now a British citizen. He's known for sarcastic humor, and his take on his adopted country is at times adoring, at times hilarious, and at times just plain grumpy. Oddly enough, my favorite book this summer also involves Iowa and an expatriate of sorts. The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend, by first time novelist uh, Katarina Bivald, uh, follows the story of a reclusive Swedish bookseller who travels to small town Iowa to visit a pen pal. What happens after she arrives in Broken Wheel is wildly improbable, but the tale is sweet and ultimately uplifting. That sounds like one those, I, yeah, I, I want to pick up right now. Yeah. So that second one is The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend by Katerina Bivald, And the first one is Bill Bryson's latest, which is called The Road to Little Dribbling. Uh, what's next on your list? Lynn?
1: Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, when you know he talks about um, light, you know, I mean, I, I read a book, a couple of books that I thought were very lightweight, as opposed to, you know, you're talking about P.G. Wodehouse, which is light and frothy and uh, wonderful. And I read one called Friendship Cake by Lynn Hinton that just was lightweight. Lightweight. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that could be enjoyable, right? <laughs> but, yeah. it just yeah, wasn't, it's lightweight.
1: It wasn't very good. But I actually, I have to say, though, I first, I did my, I delved into P.D. James for the first time this okay. time. Okay. And I, I read Devices and Desires and loved it. Okay, that's the um, Inspector Adam Dalgliesh. Yes, uh, story. Is, is she the
0: one that does it by alphabet?
1: No, so it's okay. No. That's a different one. Yeah.
0: But anyway, P. D. James. That's there's a lot of books there. So if you like that yes. one, then I guess you're yeah. you're, it was good. you're set for a while.
1: Yeah, set set in um, northern England a little <coughs> bit. Mm-hmm. You know, on the coast. It was nice. Uh, I the characters were interesting. The story was interesting. I mean, it was a typical... It was a mystery. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Very Good to much.
0: hear a recommendation. I mean, I've heard the name P.D. P. James for a long time. Yeah. but uh, So maybe I'll uh, put yeah. my toe in the water. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. This is Joyce Kincaid, who's <clears throat> at uh, Utah State University. Uh, she says uh, she recommends Girl at War by Sarah Novich. Uh, Joyce says, I visited Croatia two years ago. This is exactly the kind of novel that I would have appreciated. Naive narrator. A Ten years old girl. Living in Zagreb with her family has to deal with the growing horror of war that tears apart Yugoslavia. The narrative moves from Croatia to the USA and back to Croatia. So that is "Girl at War" by Sarah Novich. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, I believe we have our first. Uh, we have our first uh, bookseller on the line, uh, Andy Nettle from Back and Beyond Books in Moab. Welcome back to the program.
2: Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Elaine. Thank Good you. Good morning.
0: Uh, so let's jump right in, Andy. What uh, what are you recommending?
2: Well, I've got a huge stack, so I'll go quickly and um, jump right in with Ladies of the Canyon, A League of Extraordinary Women and Their Adventures in the American Southwest by Leslie Pulling-Kemps. This just won the uh, Reading the West Award from the Mountains and Plains Independent Booksellers Association for nonfiction. So it's been out for a little while, but I... Just got around to picking it up, and it's an absolutely uh, captivating read about four young women from the East uh, of comfort and privilege decide to leave that comfortable life and head west. Natalie Curtis, Carol Stanley, Alice Clobber, and Mary Cabot Wheelwright uh, all come out independently to the American Southwest, and they as most people do, tend to fall in love with uh, the beauty, the starkness. But remember, this is the early 20th century, and they spend a good part of the rest of their life exploring, befriending, and being enchanted by not only the places and the cultures, but particularly the people, and the, the, the Navajos, the Hopis, the Apaches. And these four women end up uh, leaving a very significant uh, record of their time out here, whether it's through uh, recorded works, written works, uh, monographs on the Hopis and the Navajos. And Leslie Pulling-Kemps has done a wonderful job of researching uh, four relatively obscure women from the early 20th century. Again, that's Ladies of the Canyon, A League of Extraordinary Women and Their Adventures in the American Southwest
0: does sound interesting. I'll to pick that one up.
2: Secondly, I'll pick a fictional title by Scott Graham. This is put out by Tory House Press, and it's titled Yellowstone Standoff, this being the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service. We've seen a small influx of park service books. Now, this is a mystery, uh, not similar to other national park mysteries like Nevada Bar, where Scott actually has a fictional family which he travels to various parks the first one he did in this series was uh, canyon sacrifice at the grand canyon then he went to rocky mountain and did mountain rampage now he goes up to yellowstone where he and his family are in the backcountry and they encounter a group of scientists who are studying the wolves and the grizzly and of course with that combination both politically and from a uh large carnivore point of view, uh, things are bound to happen. And Scott also does a very good job of capturing the culture of the park service and their employees. And it's a fun read, Hmm. and it's, as I mentioned, the third one in this series of National Park Mysteries. Scott lives in Durango, Colorado, so he knows of the West, and he writes of the West very, very well.
0: That's Yellowstone Stand-Up by Scott Graham. Yes. Yeah.
2: Speaking of Tory House Press, they're a small press in Tory, Utah, also in Salt Lake. They've been doing a lot of great work in the last four or five years. But Kirsten Allen from Tory House has recently teamed up with photographer and writer Stephen Trimble to release a small chapbook called Red Rock Testimony. Three generations of writers speak on behalf of Utah's public lands. This small book uh, really is near and dear to my heart. It takes the book art and the intellectual and puts them together into an absolutely beautiful package. I'm going to hold it up so you can all see it. <laughs> okay. Um,
0: We're imagining it right
1: now. If
2: You can imagine mm. a a cover with a die cut in the shape of the bear's ears down in southeast Utah in three layers. And so it gives mm-hmm. you this dramatic view of this uh, amazing landscape down here. And then these two pull together 28 amazing essays. Simon Ortiz, Bruce Babbitt, Chanto Begay, Karen Shepard, Amy Irvine, Uh, Steve Trimble has a a piece in here. And it's really in the spirit of the book published in 1996, simply titled Testimony, which uh, our friend Terry Tempest Williams helped work on. But this is looking at how writers and artists can help protect this beautiful land. And I would recommend anyone who has an interest in the bear's ears pick it up, whether you're for or against monument status, because when you put into words uh, the emotion that this land brings, it will affect you. Hmm. And it's just beautifully done. It's, it's barely off the press, and it's only available at a, a couple of bookstores. I believe the King's English will have them as well. That's Mm. um, Red Rock Testimony, three generations of writers speak on behalf of Utah's public lands.
0: Okay, that does sound interesting. Timely. yeah.
2: And what would a National Park 100th anniversary radio show be without mentioning Terry Tempest (laughs) Williams' The Hour of Land, this came out last month, a personal topography of America's national parks. Tom, I know you interviewed Terry. That's
0: right. Interesting Uh, conversation.
2: Mm -hmm. Amazing interview and an amazing woman. And in this, it's not a feel-good book about the national parks. Terry takes 12 essays, 12 different parks, and really delves into what these areas, whether they're historic or natural areas, truly mean to her and what they mean to America. And so she goes to, for instance, Gettysburg, and she talks to Southern reenactors who are still fighting the War of Northern Aggression. And they point out to Terry that slavery isn't a lot different than gun rights in that it's a state's rights issue. And where else would you get that than, than Southern reenactors actors at Gettysburg? Mm-hmm. She goes to Alcatraz. She goes to Effigy Mounds in, in the Midwest. And uh, she also goes to Canyonlands and, and some of her other favorite parks. Some of these travels she goes with her father. And so it's a very, very heartfelt, very emotional look at the national parks as they begin their 101st Mm. year.
1: Sounds good.
0: It does. In
2: conjunction with that book, Terry was in the store, oh, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, and she was kind of uh, bemoaning the fact that the very first draft of Hour of Land, her publisher took out five photographs that she had hand-chosen uh, for the Canyonlands National Park chapter. And so that kind of planted a bug, and we proposed to Terry that uh, the store produce a limited edition from that book of the Canyonlands National Park chapter and reinstate those five beautiful photographs that the uh, publishers ill-advisedly left on the cutting room floor. Hmm. And out of that came, I think, and of course I'm biased, but a, a stunning letterpress uh hand-printed chapter from this book, uh, silk-bound, with the five additional photographs tipped in, signed, limited. And it's just, a again, a, a beautiful testimony to Terry's work, but also to the parks and the Park Service and the people who, who work in the National Park Service. Nice work. But yeah. A limited edition of 100 copies, National, Canyonlands National Park Letters from Home, And that's available pretty much just from Back of Beyond Books. Okay. Moving right along, I have another piece of fiction, and this is uh, the best piece of fiction I've read in the last six months. It's by S.M. Holtz. It's a debut novel called Black River, and it's a Montana-based novel. Uh, An older couple uh, has moved to the city and is pining for the rural life, and when uh, the wife dies of cancer, uh, the husband decides to go back to the small community that he grew up in of Black River. And like a lot of my favorite fictional titles, it, is, it starts dark and it gets darker. Mm. Uh, the protagonist, Wes Carver, was a corrections officer, and there is a riot within the prison in which he worked, which of course affected his whole life, and he goes back to face uh, the person who perpetrated uh, the riot and inflicted so much pain on Carver. And it's it's filled with uh, wonderful literary writing. Also uses music as a secondary theme, the fiddle, and I just I couldn't put it down. Again, it's not a light. Uh, read, but it's an intense, intense read. Black River by S.M. Holst, hmm. published by Mariner Books. Sounds
1: good. All right.
2: And the last one on the stack is, going back to the National Park Service, is a collection of essays titled The Wonder of It All, 100 Stories from the National Park Service. So many writers are writing about the National Park Service, what the Yosemite uh, Conservation Group, has done, has taken Park Service employees, pulled together 100 essays of their time within the National Park Service, and it gives you kind of that behind-the-scenes story of the employees of the National Park Service as they celebrate their 100th year. The wonder of it all, 100 stories from the National Park Service. Great.
0: All right. Well, that that is a good list. And by the way, we'll have this up on our website along with everybody else's recommendations. It's always
1: nice to hear from from you. You know, and that the the regional reads that are so interesting to, so, this is so beloved of Utahns. You know, that, that our national parks in this state are are important. So it's great to. The hear
2: ninety-five this. are are oh. absolutely important, <clears throat> and I'm sure your other uh, booksellers will talk about some of the huge novels and Harry Potter and. and <laughs> Annie Pru and so on. But, yeah, I, I like to stick to more of the regional nature. Yeah. Great.
0: Andy Nettle, a Back of Beyond Books in Moab. Thank you so much.
2: You're very welcome. Have a great morning. You oh, too. Bye.
0: You too. Evelyn Thatcher with me in studio. We're wanting to know what your uh, book on your nightstand is, or on your device. I guess that more, <laughs> <or> more <laughs> yeah. people are going yeah. going to the Kindle or whatever it is. Uh, I go back and forth. Lane, I do too. And, and I don't know.
1: I, I have a whole basement full of mm-hmm. books that I need to finish you know, so that I can yeah. clean out my basement. Right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you got to read them right. I you, to, yeah, you I haven't you read them all clear yet. Clear them out. <laughs> the advantage of the device is you got a whole library with you wherever you go. Yep, yep. it's uh, great
1: for European travel or, or you mm-hmm. know international travel because you have a lot of books on one. Yeah. One device.
0: But I still like a. a paper book in my hand. Yep. so I yep. guess you'd go back and forth. Have to see what the younger generation says. Put it out to, to, to you <laughs> to, to escort how do you read. Uh, the number to call us is 1-800-826-1495 one 826 1495 Love to hear what you're reading or perhaps it's uh, something that's uh, been a while ago but it's still on your mind. We'd love to get that as well. We'd love to get your list. We're going to compile this, put it on our website, upr.org. Uh, you can also reach us by email to upraccess at gmail.com. Upraccess at gmail.com. We've got several more emails that have come in. Let's take a break first. Come back see what's next on Elaine's list and get a couple of these emails. We'll also be talking later later on with uh, representatives from King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City and Weller Bookworks in Salt Lake City. More following the break. This is Management Minute by Professor Scott Hammond.
2: If you're asking yourself why your customer isn't buying your product or service, then maybe you don't know your customer. Excellent companies have regular dialogues with their customer. Customer relationships and service should be a part of every employee's responsibility. For example, a hospital system recently trained its housekeeping staff, the people who clean the patient's rooms, on how to better listen to patients because they're there with the patient. Your value is defined by your customers, not your marketing people or strategic planners. Customers tell us why they buy, and we just have to listen create excellence in your company by really listening to your customers and knowing how to bring value to them. The Management Minute is brought
0: to you by our members and the USU Shingo MBA program at the John M. Huntsman School of Business, a 15-month graduate degree for executives giving knowledge and skills to leverage the principles and tools of lean continuous improvement.
3: huntsman.usu.edu.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. I'm uh, joined by Elaine Thatcher in studio, and uh, we're compiling another UPR book list. Elaine, I'm always impressed with, uh, with the book list. that we, it's, the, the advantage of joining together as community is there's stuff on that list that I would never have thought of. You
1: know, it's just incredible to see what people are reading. I love seeing what people are reading.
0: Oh, what's next on your list? Like.
1: Well, uh, speaking of regional literature, I have an older one and a newer one. Um, okay. The new one is Zelestina Ursa in Outer Space hmm. by David Romfett. David uh, lives in Buffalo, Wyoming, is a writer there. He teaches at uh, the University of Wyoming, and he's primarily a poet is how I've always thought of him. But um, he... Uh, is not Basque himself, he married a Basque woman, he speaks Basque, he has made a great study of Basque history. So Zelestina Ursa in Outer Space is a novel about a young Basque woman who comes to the U.S. from the old country and her life. And it's really, it's it's well-written, it's a very interesting story Um, and, you know, heart-wrenching at times, you know. Very interesting story, uh, so I recommend that. I've not been a, aware of, uh, of him.
0: I'll have to check him out. I, I have a fascination with Basque culture. Well, yeah. We recently did a, a program, uh, uh, Mark Kurlansky wrote a book many years ago, 20 years ago or so, called The Basque History of the World. He does a whole uh, history of the Basque mm, yeah. people. We had him on.
1: Well, they're amazing. It's an amazing program. culture. Yeah, 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 it
0: is. And a lot of Basque people in the West, right? The yeah, West. Oh,
1: a lot. And there are a lot up around Buffalo. They have a Basque festival up there, mm. and, as well as the Longmire Festival is up there, too. You okay, know? So yeah. if you're into that, yeah.
0: We just had Craig Johnson back on the program. We had him on mm-hmm. twice now. That's, oh, he's always fun. Oh, I love fun. his
1: books, yeah. Uh, what's your next one? The other one is an older one, The Backslider by Levi Peterson.
0: Okay, Levi <clears throat> Peter, my, I know my dad really loved uh, reading Levi Peterson.
1: Yeah, Levi uh, is the brother of... Uh, retired USU history professor, Chaz Peterson.
0: I didn't know that connection. Yeah, they Never are brothers, okay. and
1: they grew up in southern Utah. Um, uh, uh, ranch boys, you know, um, both ended up as being professors. You know, uh, Levi was at Weber State for many years, and Chaz was here at USU. Um, the Backslider is, you know, kind of considered one of the classic Mormon novels, Um, myself as a Mormon, I would have to say I read it and there was a lot that didn't ring true for me. And yet the book is very compelling and, um, it's, it's well-written, it's beautifully written and it's, uh, an interesting portrait of Mormonism and the cultures of Southern Utah around, I'm guessing it was around the 1940s or so don't recall exactly but um i you should if you haven't read it you should read it Mm. um it's one of those books that um you know is kind of a milestone in in mormon literature um and i think it's worth a read
0: the backslider by levi peterson all right let's uh, go to next to our emails and we've had several come in thank you for that uh upraxcess at gmail.com we want to know what you're reading And we're compiling our UPR community book list, upraccess at gmail.com, or you can join us by telephone, toll-free 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. This is Claudia Brilliant, who says, Just finished, The Woman Who Defied Kings, Doña Gracia Nazi by Andre Brooks, The Well-Researched Life and Times of a Jewish Woman of the Powerful House of Mendes. You may have never heard of her, but I was fascinated by this woman of the Renaissance who used her means to help her people while dealing with every kind of problem with clarity, wit, and wisdom. How did they escape the Inquisition? Greedy but Powerful Monarchs, Using and Translating Research Materials from the Dusty Archives of Europe and Middle East, the author does a great job piecing together her story. The influence of women like Gracia is seldom told in our history books, but lets you see how one person can make a difference. That is The Woman Who Defied Kings, Doña Gracia by Andrea Brooks. Then Claudia recommends, she says, also just finished uh, Timothy Ballard's Washington Hypothesis. You may agree or disagree with his hypothesis of divine intervention at the American Revolution, but you will never forget his vivid descriptions of the battles, escapes, and transformative experiences of our founding father. I was a history major at university and thought I knew American history, but I learned so much from this book. That's uh, Washington Hypothesis by Timothy Ballard. Those two recommendations from Claudia uh, Brilliant. Uh, then uh, our own uh, UPR's uh, Carrie Bringhurst has uh, written in. Thank you, Carrie. She says, I'm reading the latest book from Cache Valley writer Rayan Ann Her book, Riverbend Road, makes references to names familiar to northern Utah, including a business in her book named after the Canes and even describes one of her characters to be a public radio fan because of her NPR bumper sticker. <laughs> I enjoy finding simple nuances in her books that relate to my world while exploring the world of her characters. And uh, Carrie goes on to say, Ryan ann is a graduate of USU Journalism School and was a classmate. So, uh, mm. yeah, Rayanne ann Uh right. a wonderful Cache <laughs> Valley writer. <laughs> Her latest book is Riverbend Road. Uh, what's the next on your list, Elaine?
1: Okay, so um, an, a classic, My Antonia.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, Willa Cather.
1: Willa Cather. Um, never had gotten around to reading it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's. Marvelous, you know, it's a fabulous book.
0: Yeah, Cather is such a wonderful writer.
1: Um, it's you know well worth reading, and I I lived on the Great Plains for a while. I lived in South Dakota, and um, I could relate a lot to that landscape and uh, the the just the story there. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a yeah a lovely book. Mm-hmm. I'll
0: mention uh, a blast from the past. I just recently jumped back into Pride and Prejudice. All right, uh, Jane Austen almost never lets me down. I, I will say I couldn't. I couldn't do Mansfield Park. I just couldn't do it. I, <laughs> I couldn't. I you wanted know, I've, to. I've, I wanted to like it. I couldn't. I couldn't like it. I've heard but,
1: other people say that.
0: But uh, almost any and Pride and Prejudice is such a wonderful and and just the, the wit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's you know laugh out loud funny smile funny. And there's depth there as well. It's just very true to life.
1: Well, as a matter of fact, I read a book called Jane Fairfax mm. this this time um, by Joan Aiken. It's a modern take on uh, I, on Jane Fairfax, who is a minor character in the book Emma, mm. and uh, it it creates a life for her. And I I liked that book too. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not always keen on trying to rehash and rewrite uh, beautiful beautifully written books that are already out there. Mm-hmm. But it was a fun, fun yeah. story. Uh,
0: I do have to say, reading Pride and Prejudice now, this, this go-around, uh, I, I'm trying to get the uh, BBC um, miniseries out, of, your out head? of my head i'm trying to, i'm trying to manufacture the characters of my own but but some of it's the hard. some of the wonderful uh, actors and you know and i'm 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 hearing the voice of Colin Firth when I'm reading Darcy <laughs> uh that sort of thing not a, not a totally bad thing but it's such a wonderful read if you haven't read pride and prejudice or any austen with the possible exception of mansfield park uh, i'd recommend it <laughs> yeah um here is uh, recommendations it has a whole list uh, Dan mabbitt from uh, Springdale, hope I'm saying your name right, uh, Dan. Um, and Dan uh, says at the top of my current reading list is "Dark Money" by Jane Mayer. I interviewed uh, um, Jane Mayer. Uh, This impressively researched and detailed account about uh, millions of hidden, uh, uh, millions in hidden money that pays for the hundreds and hundreds of political action groups, PACs, uh, think tanks, lobbyists, privately funded academic departments that have distorted the political process in the last 20 years. Billionaires have quote unquote invested, the author's word, a massive amount of money to gain control over the American political process with almost no public knowledge that it's even happening. Mayor rips the cover from the hidden money and how it's been used. Names are named and amounts are listed. The real action behind the news comes into focus after you see how the news is shaped today. In this time of political turmoil, a reading program to refresh your understanding of the years 1932 to 1939 is recommended. This was a time when the entire world was mired in a swamp of economic depression, political revolution. Dictators gained power in both Japan and Germany. And the result was the war that was most clearly a world war. Mark Twain said the history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. The couplet companion verse may be our uh, time today. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sh- not sure uh, exactly what the book is there, Dan. Uh, you may want uh, maybe you're missing a line there. But anyway, the first book there is Dark Money by uh, Jane Mayer. Dan goes on to recommend The Gathering Storm by Winston Churchill. Have you ever read the the Winston Churchill I history books? Not. I have not. Yeah, they're they're pretty interesting. The Gathering Storm. This is the first volume of the World War II um, history, The Gathering Storm by Winston Churchill. Dan also recommends George Orwell Diaries edited by Peter Davison says, Personal Reflections by the author of 1984, an animal farm just before World War II. Reading Orwell's view of daily life in Morocco, rural England, among the poor classes in the English heartland, opens a window about why the war happened. George Orwell Diaries by Peter Davison. Um, and uh, the next one on Dan's list is The Fuhrer, Hitler's Rise to Power by Conrad Haydn. Published in 1944. This is the, per- the first comprehensive biography of Hitler. Haydn was a German journalist who managed to stay one step in front of Hitler's conquest of continental uh, Europe, finally escaping from France via Portugal with the help of the International Rescue Committee in 1940. The Fuhrer, Hitler's Rise to Power by Conrad Haydn.
1: Uh, we should all read that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, very interesting. Uh, we do have, um, from uh, Weller Bookworks, uh, Catherine Weller uh, joins us. Welcome back to the program.
4: Well, hello, it's nice to be here.
0: Let's uh, jump right in. What are you, what are you recommending?
4: all right well you guys have been leading with some blasts from the past and i have a goodie here it is called maxwell perkins editor of genius um... people are this book again because of the the movie genius that has just come out and i have to say that reviews are if you are a book lover go see this movie Hmm. the book itself is by a scott berg who is a noted biographer And Maxwell Perkins um, was an editor at Charles Scribner and Sons back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and he was one of the great editors of the day. He edited Hemingway. He edited Fitzgerald. He is responsible for the career of Thomas Wolfe. We wouldn't have Look Homeward, Angel, if it weren't for Maxwell Perkins. He edited Theodore Dreiser. Um, he, he was an editor of that great old sense of editors that we think about, and that we talked about a little bit when there was the big furor over the publication of Gossetta Watchman, the... Um, Harper Lee book, and people were talking about the editorial process.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
4: We don't see editors like uh, Max Perkins anymore, because there's just not time or money for it. My father-in-law, Sam, uh, told me to read this when I started working at the bookstore, and he said, you want to learn about books, read this book. And I looked at it, and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be really dry, but I'll Mm -hmm. read it. Sam loved it so much, he bought out the last of the print run, and it was out of stock at the publisher for a while, so we had cartons of this thing. Um, It has been reprinted in nice new trade paperbacks, and it's just an extraordinary read about books in that really classic period of literature in um, the American 20th century. I can't recommend it highly enough.
3: Hmm.
1: That well, sounds wonderful.
0: So, yeah, B- book lover describes our audience, so that's, that's a good recommendation.
4: <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned um, reading Jane Austen, and there's a book that is very modern by a very modern author, Alain de Baton, who's known a lot these days for his philosophy writing. He wrote How Proust Can Change Your Life. He wrote a lovely novel called On Love This Year, and it is because it is a novel that focuses on a couple who meet and persevere. And it's a classic domestic novel, like Jane Austen is. I mean, Jane Austen really kind of made the domestic novel. Mm-hmm. And Alain de Botton does this with a modern Lod- London couple. It is... Just a marvelous read, um, and I think it speaks so well because it sounds like such a mundane tale. Because it's it's a couple's life, but you care so much about what they do that when he has these little breaks, these kinds of asides every once in a while, where he does a little kind of philosophical summary, it's not dry. It's just kind of this little summary. You want to you want to get back to the characters because you love this young couple so much in all of their struggles how do you keep love alive after you have a kid how do you re- regain trust after there's an affair how do you how do you become a mature couple after you've met and have that passion it it's just a lovely little novel hmm. and it is a short novel so you're not going to be waiting in it forever and unlike jane austen it is by a modern writer so it's modern writing which means sentences are shorter not such dense
2: prose <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: so if you love the domestic novel i think this is a very nice one on love by Alain de Bede- the Baton.
0: i've read sounds uh, good. i read the proust book and that he he's a very interesting writer I'll have to he pick that an one up. interesting yeah.
4: writer. Yeah, he, he really ha- comes at a lot of subjects from a lot of perspectives, so yeah. he can be quite eye-opening sometimes.
0: Yeah. What, what's next?
4: Um, next is a novel that my staff is in love with, and we are not the only bookstore in the country that has just fallen head over heels for this book, called The Mirror Thief by Martin Say. Now, this is the opposite of On Love. This is a big, fat, modern novel. Um, and the shorthand way to think of it would be to combine uh, a Dan Brown novel with Cloud Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so mm. it is a very literary, very skilled telling story of three Venices. Venice in the late 1500s, early 1600s, and an alchemist there who is trying to get people out of the Venetian Empire. Venice Beach in the 1950s. And the Venice Hotel in Las Vegas in current times. What ties it all together is this book that was compiled by this, the alchemist called The Mirror Safe there's a man who is trying to track a skip tracer, or he is the skip tracer, he's trying to track a card counter, um, who is known to his father as a childhood friend, um, and ends up weaving through time as he's trying to track this man down, and track down what is happening with this man, and indeed, possibly, with alchemy itself, it's just a fascinating book. It's literate, it's uh, deep into history, both modern history and very old history, and the storytelling is fantastic. It's not... Don't think of it like a typical fantasy book where it's about world building. Think of it like a David Mitchell book. It's about characters, and it's about narrative. Oh, that sounds, and, yeah. Oh, what he does is remarkable. It, it, I can't recommend it highly enough.
0: Wonderful. Uh, tell us the title and author again.
4: It's called The Mirror Thief, and it's by Martin Say, who is himself a bookseller. Oh, hmm. interesting. Yeah. The, his mi- story, the Mirror... It um, uh, slips my mind at the moment, but he's a bookseller at an independent bookstore, and he's learned his craft well.
1: All right. Okay. The Mirror The mirror Thief. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um,
4: next, of course, the wonderful, ever-beloved Mary Roach, who writes such Fabulous, modern, uh, popular science. Her book this time is Grunt, which is um, about the military. Its subtitle is The Curious Science of Humans at War. And being Mary Roach, she approaches it from her own quirky, bizarre way. So you, you see things like, why is DARPA interested in ducks?
1: (laughs) Or
4: why a wedding gown is like a bomb suit. And why shrimp are more dangerous to sailors than sharks. She is irreverent. She's funny. She's got this impish, arch sense of humor. It is never dry. I think this is probably her best book since Bonk, um, which was the book she did about sex. It's just... Fantastic for getting a sense of what what research is in the military. It's not all bombs. It's you know the most vulnerable part of a soldier is his mm. feet. Trench foot was a terrible mm. problem. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> things yeah. like that. It's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, she's a wonderful writer.
4: Oh, she is. Yeah. She is, and you know, people know her from Stiff and um, uh, really. Bonk is what brought her here first to Utah in person, and we're hoping to get her back for the paperback tour of Grunt because she's just a delight to read mm-hmm. and a delight to hear.
0: I interviewed her on her book. I can't remember that. They're all one-word titled. I can't remember now. It's, it's the Elementary Canal. It's from the mouth to the...
4: Oh, yes, that was Gulp. G- that was Gulp. Gulp. <laughs> Gulp. Yes, they yeah. are all one-word titled. <laughs> yeah, yes.
0: yeah, so Gulp was a, that's a fun read and a fun conversation, so I imagine this one will be as well.
4: Yes, very much so um do i have time for more
0: Uh, 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 yeah maybe a couple more yeah
4: okay so um one i'm deep in right now and quite loving is called on trails by robert moore and this is pretty classic natural history writing he starts with a reminiscence about going to Camp One, horrible summer, like kids in the East so often do, and being dragged up this mountain one day, whatever counts for a mountain in the East, and um, reaching a point where they cross the Appalachian Trail. And he noted the reverence with which their camp counselors told them about the Appalachian Trail. and thought, boy, that's interesting. Um, And it kind of pulled him out of his terrible funk that he was having (laughs) at the time being in (laughs) camp. He ended up walking the Appalachian Trail um, as a young adult later and becoming fascinated by trails. And so this book explores the trail, but as natural history does... It's not just the trails that people make. It's ant trails. So you learn about E.O. Wilson and his ant research and how they finally figured out how ants lay down pheromones to make trails, and um, elephants making trails in the jungle, and um, early humans following trails. The trails we make now, why we all have, why we, all animals, create trails and follow them and how efficient trails are created over time if you're a natural history reader if you're a hiker if you're a hunter um, this book I think is profoundly interesting and like a lot of natural history it can it, it, the explaining can make it sound not it sound kind of weird or not interesting but it's Actually, he does a wonderful job of re- weaving the human and the earth and the other animals all together in this really fine exploration of trails.
1: Hmm. Cool.
0: So uh, tell us the title and author again.
4: It is On Trails by Robert Moore. Hmm. And then Very good. the last one is, um, boy, boy, there are so many. <laughs> let it do Gene by Siddhartha Mukherjee, whom I just adore. He's a wonderful medical writer. Uh, he is a researcher at Columbia University, and what he researches is cancer, which these days means a lot of genetic research. He popped onto the scene many years ago with the Emperor of All Maladies, which was a tour de force exploration of the history of cancer up to current cancer research at the time. It was turned into a PBS series. Um, he's doing the same thing with this book, Gene, and Intimate History. He starts with early genetic history. I mean, He, gets, he does history, and he gets down in the weeds of modern genetics. So if you like a, a science read that is popular science, but a little bit more challenging than, say, Mary Roach... This is up your alley, because he gets into epigenetics, you get to go back in time and learn about Mendel and his
1: peas
4: and Darwin and everything in between up to modern cancer genetics research. He has a sense of poetry that makes all, all nonfiction writing that works for popular readers, has this sense of poetry about it, I think. And he has that. He has a beautiful way of explaining things, lovely ways of turning a phrase, and very clear and concise writing about what can sometimes be a complicated subject. It's, it's a big, fat book. It's a commitment, kind of like um, The Mirror Thief is a commitment, but it's a commitment you're not going to regret making. Hmm. Mm, that
0: sounds fascinating. Tell, tell us again.
4: Gene, An Intimate History by Siddhartha Mukherjee.
0: Okay. We'll uh, we'll have this uh, list up on our website uh, as well. Catherine Weller from uh, Weller Bookworks in Salt Lake City. Thank you.
4: Thanks. Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure.
0: Uh, exciting books. Uh, we're, we're we'll stock our bookshelves <laughs> again here. Um, always something on the horizon. America I know. It's land.
1: like ay <laughs> You know, can't keep up. Uh,
0: we're we're going to be uh, going uh, next to Ann Holman from. Uh, Uh, King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City. I wanted to uh, complete the list from uh, Dan Mabbitt from uh, Springdale. And I apologize, Dan, I, I didn't read carefully enough your email. So the one, the paragraph where I got confused, Elaine, was his preface to a list of books about
1: that period. Oh, I see. Period. Okay. Um, the years
0: 1932 to 1939. He says, this is a time of political turmoil. Reading program to refresh your understanding of those years is recommended. Then he recommends The Gathering Storm by Winston Churchill, George Orwell Diaries, edited by Peter Davison, The Fuhrer, Hitler's Rise to Power by Conrad Haydn, and the last book on the list, Hitlerland, American Eyewitnesses to the Nazi Rise to Power by Andrew Nagorski. He says it's an anthology of views of Americans who happen to be in a position to see and comment about Hitler's rise to power before World War II. Hmm. Uh, so that's those all sound interesting, along with uh, the first book on his list, uh, Dark Money by Jane Mayer. Thanks for that, Dan. Uh, you can join us, uh, get your recommendation in quickly at uh, upraccess@gmail.com, at gmail.com, upra access at gmail.com, or you can call us to 1-800-826-1495. Uh, one more you might re- mention, uh, Elaine?
1: Sure. Um, I read What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and I was another, oh. it was another underwhelming book for me. Oh, it has? I've never read it. It was made into a movie, I yeah. know, mm-hmm. which I didn't see, but um, I... The characters were not very likable. Um, I just didn't. It somehow I know it appealed to a lot of people, but it didn't do much for me.
0: Okay, so uh, the, yeah, it's interesting. We have some By kind Peter of uh, unrecommendations. I have several <laughs>
1: this time. It's kind of funny. Maybe we'll I, maybe I'm just getting grouchy.
0: But you could try it and see if you liked it better <laughs> than, than Elaine did. Um, and uh, before we go to uh, to Anne, uh, let me uh, just uh, bring in uh, Gail Weinchecker um thanks for this gail um says yesterday i started to reread the republic by plato Mm. recently i read a quote in the newspaper which gave lord acton 1887 credit for the quote power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely i've been quoting this statement since college and giving plato the credit for some weeks i have been searching and inquiring but without any success hopefully upr readers can help me clear up this uh, dilemma so Gail is reading the Republic by Plato the, uh, the I guess we want to uh, absolutely credit that uh, famous quote power tends to corrupt uh, and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely uh, Gail I have always thought that was Lord Acton.
1: yeah that's who I've heard of uh, I believe you know it's been a long 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 time since I read the Republic that might be a worthwhile read yeah I, that I noticed be some good. of our readers are, are reading um, political, books yes uh, yeah you know. in, in this we're, in, we're in a political season, yeah. season so I p- think people are looking for insight
0: yeah uh, so we turn to Ann Holman from uh, the King's English Bookshop and we'll have to go quickly uh, here because we've got about four minutes left apologize for that but uh, but I'm sure you have some great books to recommend
3: just run through them really quick uh, yes okay happy to do that so adult fiction my pick my favorite pick right now is Miss Jane by Brad Watson it's from Norton and Company It's about a woman born in the 1800s with um, almost no female inside, so she's incontinent. Based on his great aunt, who he didn't know very well, so it's it's largely made up. But a a beautiful story about how people can be born with the worst possible circumstances and still look on the bright side of life and craft a, uh, a hopeful and happy existence. The Trouble with Goats and Sheep is a new book from Joanna Cannon and it takes place in Great Britain on a on a kind of a cul-de-sac, and these two little girls observe their their families and their neighbors over time, and something's not quite right. And sometimes it's the children who see what the problem is, and, and through their eyes, we can see it ourselves. I wanted to mention a couple of nonfiction: "The Hour of Land" by Terry Tempest Williams, mm. celebrating the national parks this summer. It's just a beautiful book, very conversational, and she focuses on just the parks that she's been to and had great experiences with. And then in paper this summer, The Oregon Trail by Rinker Buck. I might have talked about this last year when it was in hardcover, but it's very, very good historical um, writing, but it's also very, very funny about Hmm. The Oregon Trail. And then two books that are by local authors. A Summer Lost is by Ali Condi. It's a middle reader chapter book about um, growing up in Cedar city and being part of the Shakespeare Festival, and Hmm. specifically about a little boy and a little girl. And it's, gosh, it's just terrific. And then Lindsay Eager has written also a realistic fiction about Hour of the Bees and it's about a young girl and her family who go to New Mexico because her grandfather's got Alzheimer's and they're gonna to have to take him off of the ranch. And she's mm. very sad about it and she doesn't understand it and it's how family comes together, figures things out, and maybe her grandmother still has a few her, her grandfather still has a few tricks up with his sleeve. So oh, wow. I loved that. And I, and I gave you a long list. You can put it on the website. Okay, okay sounds good. Great.
0: I noticed you have on that list: The Atomic Weight of Love, Elizabeth Church. I interviewed her recently. A wonderful book. Uh, and about, Andy,
1: wasn't that great? Yeah. And Andy recommended the Terry Tempest Williams book yeah. uh, as well. So, oh,
0: And uh, And then uh, you have the the uh, the la- latest, and I guess the last Kent Hariff book.
3: You know what? We, we're going to miss him so much. It's new in paper, and in fact, his wife Kathy, is coming tomorrow night to the bookstore. To talk about him and his life. Oh, wonderful! They're going to they're going to make a movie out of this. They think with uh, Robert Redford and Jane Fonda.
0: Oh, that, <laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we're gonna miss <laughs> we're gonna miss Kent Tariff. I'm glad you have have his widow coming. Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful list. Uh, thank you for going through it uh, quickly. <laughs> and you're uh, welcome. And uh, we'll we'll get this on our website. Appreciate that.
3: Thanks All right, a thanks lot. everybody. Bye. And, and Holman
0: Bye-bye. King's English uh, Bookshop, uh, appreciate uh, appreciate her uh, being with us. I uh, just have about thirty seconds. Any uh, last book for you want me, to For me, um,
1: I would say um, I uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking over. There was an there was another one I did not like. It, it'll be on the website. And I, but honestly, I mean, it's. I think people need to read for themselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope you have a better luck. Than that.
1: Yeah, this quarter <laughs> I'm several. looking forward to. I, You know, it, it, this is a weird quarter. At least you found
0: out you didn't like those books, right? So yeah, you, you, yeah, you've gained that knowledge. I'll mention one more. It's a book from oh, about 20 years ago. It's called At Home in Mitford, from the Mitford series, set in North Carolina, kind of a, a pastoral series of books. Wonderful books. Jan Caron is is the author, and uh, I've just jumped into that first one.
1: They're delightful.
0: Yeah, uh, it's about a uh, a pastor, a minister, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. all the
1: an aging, you know, he's getting a little mm-hmm. older. Yeah.
0: And... Uh, so uh, that's the list. We'll have this up on our website. By the way, uh, coming up tomorrow, banjo and illustrated history. Bob Carlin. We'll hear some banjo music. That's right. tomorrow. And uh, Lane, thanks. Thank you. And thanks for listening.